Hello and welcome to another episode of Future Chat. I am back with my very reasonable co-host, Mike Cottrell, and our senior contributor, Nick Maddox. Nick, I was thinking about this earlier this week. Do you want to get upgraded to co-host? You seem much more regular than than you have been before. Or are you still happy being a senior contributor? I'm happy being senior contributor. Okay. Co-host is too much pressure. <laughs> uh, sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I also, I'm enjoying the writing staff I get as senior contributor. Mm, yeah. So that's, that's also key. Okay. Fair enough. So dedicated listeners of the show and i'm specifically not including nick in that will have noticed that an extra (laughs) bonus episode dropped into your feed this week (laughs) i just wanted to point people point our listeners in case they they decided not to check that out because they're like whoa what's this weird thing happening on a monday is it no tuesday night what's this weird thing popping up in my feed tuesday i don't want to listen to that don't don't worry. It's not like a virus. It's just a bonus episode that Mike and I did talking about the Apple event tomorrow. Are you genuinely worried that people would have that reaction? I'm a little worried. Um, have you never heard of mind virus, Nick? <laughs> All I, I wanted to say, no. the event is tomorrow. We we talked. We did our whole Apple thing for about an hour on Tuesday. And go listen to that. That's all we're going to talk about about the event uh, this week. For Nick's benefit. Did you guys have fun? Yes, we did. It was it was quite amusing, and I'm really excited for tomorrow to see what happens. Uh, so on the follow up side of things, I also I wanted to first of all ask. Well, I I just want to confirm my suspicions that neither of you looked at our one note that I shared with you. Of course not. No, nope. um, I think I looked at it. Okay, like I opened it and I looked at it and I said, "Yep, this looks like a thing, all right." And then I closed it. Perfect. And I have not been back. Great. Rob, I just want to tell yeah. you that my approach to this is why fix something that's not broke? Oh, I agree. And now, yeah. switching to Slack, Hangouts was broke. Hangouts was so broke. So we switched to Slack. <laughs> was Hangouts broke? Google Drive is <laughs> Google Drive is not broke. So I'm not I'm not looking to fix it. Okay, you're you're hung I'm up sorry. on Google Drive being replaced by OneNote. That's not what's happening here. I the even more necessary to have both at the same time. <laughs> anyway, I'll let you continue. Um I just want to say you seem to be excited about OneNote. It's been another week and I'm still super excited about this at work. I was able to use it in meetings the entire week and it proved extremely beneficial to be able to shuttle things around and draw and keep notes and actually even just having it open and doodling on the OneNote while I was in the meeting was very, very handy. I've, I've doodled before in meetings with the iPad, but I've never been able to doodle while also being able to take notes on the same page and then just erase the doodles at the end. So that was that was kind of nice to have. Um, like I said, with Slack, I forget if I mentioned this on the show if it was after the fact. I don't... This is going to be one of those things that's beneficial to me if I use it alone. And it becomes technically more beneficial if other people use it. But it doesn't really benefit me more if other people use it. Because the whole point of it... Like I started... The last two episodes, the draft and this episode... I have started entirely from the OneNote and it makes it so much faster to generate a new like a new episode on YouTube and on WordPress and on Drive like it, it enables so much stuff for me and I'm again just re-recommending I probably won't follow up on this every week but I'm going to drop in and be like oh yeah OneNote's still super useful and these are the reasons why. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually one of the benefits of 
most cloud storage solutions in general. Again, I, I understand one is not primarily or solely cloud storage, mm-hmm. but you generally don't need other participants to even be signed up for whatever it is you're using. Yeah. Like file sharing works seamlessly, even if you don't have an account. Uploading to folders, I think Drive supports uploading to a folder, even if you don't have a Google account. It depends on how it's administrated, but I think that's a, an option. Yeah, like I know teachers will often use that for their assignments and stuff, and they'll have them upload to a Drive folder, mm-hmm. and the students don't need an actual Drive or a Google account to do this, do so. In most cases, um, for teachers, they'll have, a, like if they use Google Drive, they'll use Google Classroom, and mm-hmm. then the students will get assigned a Gmail account from their administrator Oh, okay. And then they'll be able to upload that way. But yeah, before that kind of Google Classroom became a thing, I know that a lot of teachers did use that. Yeah. So yeah, I think just being able to share files and, and links, that kind of thing, without needing other people to sign up for something is is pretty beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that we haven't really talked about in a while that I wanted to follow up on, because I had some notes this week, is Soylent. Are you guys still both having it on occasion or with regularity? Yeah. One moment. I need to sip from my ready-to-drink food. <laughs> I have it for mm. breakfast daily and lunch about 50% of the week. Okay. We'll, we'll call it 60% since there's five days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted to give a brief update on mine because I think I've kind of come to a decision since um, the new flavors came out, nectar and cocoa. I had switched to cocoa because it was just so delicious. Like I love chocolate and it was chocolate flavored. So it's great, but I'm finding for whatever, whether it's psychological, whether it's for whatever reason, I'm going to switch away from cocoa back to original because it, I was finding it not as filling and I don't know why. Maybe, maybe the reason is that of the 400 kcals in there, it, uh, the cacao has whatever kcals are associated with like 20 some grams of sugar. It's possible like that. I, I'm which is a lot of sugar. I'm eager to see if it is if that is the reason and I can get it back or if that's just like a permanent change that something in my metabolism or something has changed. But I'm thinking I'll go back to the original drink. Um, although it has gotten more expensive, I noticed when they introduced cocoa and nectar, those were like premium. They were more expensive. But now original is up at that price as well, at least in Canada. Is that what happened? Yeah. When I saw all three were at the same price, I thought they brought the other two nope. down. Original went oh, up. That's lame. I, didn't I even think pay if you have, if you're like... subscribed and you stay subscribed, you're grandfathered into the old price. Mm. But if you sign up now, they're all the same price. And yeah, so if original doesn't work out, if I have the same problem that I used to have, and it's basically a problem that I often don't necessarily want 400 kilocalories i want like 600 i might go back to 1.8 or 1. whatever it is at that point Mm -hmm. but really more than anything what i want to mention in this is that i miss the bars i want the bars to come back so i bought i went to costco this week and bought some cliff bars people who don't know they're just like clumps of nuts and seeds and protein and flavor like chocolate and stuff carbohydrates yeah i'm sure everyone has at least heard of cliff bars that listens to this show like because they're just relatively pervasive and culture but um i'm trying those like i just bought a box and basically the closest thing i could get to soylent bars on the market that isn't like a niche order on the internet kind of thing like just walk into a store and buy some yeah i tried the cacao 
when it first came yeah. out. And I couldn't get on board with the artificial chocolate taste. Okay. Like it, it tasted too, too much like cheap chocolate. I like a bit more of a subdued <laughs> kind of like more of a bitter kind of flavor, okay. kind of like the, like the coffeeist. Mm. It has a bit more of a bitter kind of aftertaste. So I ended up just using the powdered and adding cocoa to it and then throwing a banana in to give it a bit more depth. Mm. And I like that for breakfast. It's good. Kai's been having a cacao. Yeah. What's her take on the flavor? Kai, what's your take on cacao? (laughs) She says she doesn't have to remember to drink it. Probably because she likes it. I think that's what she means. Okay. Yeah. I'd agree with that. That's my favorite thing about it. Makes sense. So, as opposed to original, she genuinely enjoys it. So she drinks. She only has half a bottle for breakfast. Mm. She drinks half mm. the bottle like happily rather than with original. Right. She's like, oh, right. I need to keep drinking this. <laughs> See, I'm the exact opposite. I have to like choke down the cacao. Oh, man, one. I drink it like milk. It's when I used to drink a lot of milk. <laughs> so good i i've had cacao a couple times and it's like oh my god this is delicious and it it goes down pretty easy yeah mike's fancy he needs the fancy chocolate taste apparently (laughs) i I love the original melting lint down into the cacao into the original i guess (laughs) getting fancy is that good enough or does he have to like uh, like yield something from the cacao powder itself right that would be for a second, I thought you were talking about dryer lint. And I was like, you, why would I put lint in like soy lint? Okay, so it's maybe like, you're oh, not right. fancy. <laughs> it's like, does that give it extra flavor? Uh, Seasoning? So, okay, the the big thing that I wanted to mention and follow up, but I don't have really a lot of stories about, but Mike does, is that Android Pay was released in Canada. And you tried it. Yeah, I did. I'm using it. Mm. Not as we speak, but... I actually didn't even check to see if my bank was a part of it because I was like, it's it's like PC Financial is who I use and they're not one of the big three or four or however many right. big ones there are. And so I was like, well, they're probably not on board. And then I look on the Android Pay site to see what suggested retailers and a bunch of Loblaw stores were on okay. there. I was like, hmm, I wonder if they're a part of it. And sure enough, PC was one of the first banks that mm. they are a part of the launch uh list of banks that support it so i uh added my card on and have been using it when i get a chance to and it's been it's been cool it's really fast like it's i say it's like one second longer than using a card one to two seconds longer than using a card just because card is like yeah like tap and pay card because that's instant and this one has to kind of check with the the service to verify whatever so um but no otherwise it's been fine and like the cashiers that use it they they often don't visibly react to me using my phone so i don't know maybe that's because apple pay is a thing i think so i'm sure people have used it uh i had one and maybe it's just confirmation bias but it seemed like she was like looking at the terminal a bit more intently to make sure it went (laughs) through uh and then i was telling uh you guys yesterday that i tried it and it may or may not have something to do with it but it was a td terminal and it said could not accept please insert or tap or whatever so then i pulled up my card and it worked Mm. fine so both tap and pay methods so i'm not sure what happened there like it recognized that i was trying to use my tap and pay 
method, but it would it wouldn't take the phone. Right. So. I think there's something about NFC that it does it recognizes that there's an NFC transaction going on. Like any like even if you had a key fob or something, anything that uses NFC, it will mm-hmm. be like it will register that it's trying to do something, it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the same would happen with my watch. Like my watch has NFC, but it doesn't have Android Pay. So if I put my phone up, it would probably detect that I'm trying to tap yeah. something and it would just say not yeah. accepted. So it's probably the same kind of thing, yeah. right? So I don't know. And maybe I think it comes back to certain terminals need to have the functionality turned on to accept payment from like mobile devices. I think we're, I think we had been talking about that before that all these machines are capable. You just have to turn on that function, mm-hmm. right? Am, am I? No, I, I think that's, that's accurate. Verification. And yeah. There are a lot of know. people, like a lot of retailers that have these terminals that either think they don't work like think it explicitly isn't turned on when it is or just have no awareness of it and they're just like oh i guess try it and maybe it'll work that's been my experience yeah yeah and i've, I've always just said you know when they ask for how i'm paying it to see mastercard mm-hmm. and then pull up yeah. my phone and it works so obviously the terminal is expecting a mastercard and it gets one mm-hmm. so it, it was cool because i got like a technically like a new bank like a card number like the bank issued me a secondary number to use with my Apple, my Android oh. pay that that's what it uses when it makes the payments. So I, I guess it's kind of like a form of, I don't know if the, an additional tokenization happens as well. That's weird. Yeah. So like Android pay doesn't actually have my real credit card number. I think it's like, I, I don't know how it worked, but like it asked for my credit card number and then it checked with the bank and then the bank issued a credit card number to be used with my Android pay. That's yeah, that's different than Apple Pay because I definitely use my credit card, but it just tokenizes every time. Right. Huh. And Nick, your phone I assume doesn't work with it or you haven't tried? I haven't tried. I the phone is getting progressively less and less capable of things, so <laughs> that's too I'm bad. Just gonna, I'm just gonna use tap with my card for now. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like the only reason I'm using it is for the novelty. What? No, like, it's not, Mike. There, there, it's the security. There's even a time there's even a time where I pulled out my card and then put it back to pull out my phone because I wanted to use the Android Pay. See, for me, I would do that. But my goal eventually is to leave my entire wallet at home and not have to deal with the security of having someone be able to grab my card and just start paying for stuff with taps. But that could theoretically happen if you lost your phone too. No, because it needs fingerprint authentication. I guess. I don't know. Like Android Pay, I don't know. I guess it would have to work because not all Android phones have fingerprints, but they all like you'd have to enter a password or something. Yeah. The way it, way it showed up on mine is like I already had a lock screen. Mm-hmm. So it said, hey, you have a lock screen. You're all set to go. So I think if you didn't, it would make you set a lock screen yeah. to use Android Pay. And then it said that depending, I don't know if it's dependent on the bank because I couldn't find any setting for it within the app, but it still allows payments to be made with it locked, but only up to a certain amount, I think. Okay. So I think that might be set by the bank saying how much of a transaction it will allow with a locked phone. Right. Because I couldn't find any settings in the app to to toggle or to to set what amount you're okay with. Okay. Cool. So I assume you'll keep yeah. trying it out for the novelty and I'm I'm still waiting. I added Android Pay to my phone, but both my RBC card and my TD card are not supported yet. 
And so I tried adding them and they're sitting there in, in the wallet. Like the information's all there, but it was like, sorry, we can't add yeah. this to your pay. So I can't use it yet. Yeah. This happened with mine before I came to Canada. Yeah. It said like it was sitting in the wallet ready to be used. And it said, can't do this yet. Yeah. It's annoying. <laughs> now, sorry, does your tangerine card work at all or no? Not yet, but I've heard. Yeah. Sorry. When it, when I said I have RBC and Tanger or and TD as my kind of real banks, the goal being to switch. I I meant to switch away from TD entirely, and then I just kind of I closed my checking account because that was the one that cost me money. But I have like my credit card is not charging me. My savings accounts aren't charging me, so there's no real reason to close down the other accounts. And so now I'm kind of double wielding, but I. It's really just I'm switch slowly switching all my payments away from my TD credit card. At for a while there, like every month, like for the first month or two, it was like I was having to constantly re-add new credentials to my credit card because it kept paying for stuff. But now I'm at the point where it's basically like the yearly stuff that's renewing again. That I'm like, oh crap, I forgot to remove that or change that card information. Okay. Yeah. Well, look at Mister Big Shot with three banks. <laughs> I don't want to have so much money that it can't all fit in one. I don't want to have three banks just for the record. It's just the (laughs) fact that TD was terrible and I want to have free e-transfers and I also want to have like mostly virtual banking and I wanted a physical bank. So I picked RBC over TD and then Tangerine has free email money transfers, whereas RBC has free interact e-transfers. And so I can keep my money moving between both of those and never have to pay any transaction fees or monthly fees. That's really the only goal is nice. free banking. You mm. don't think that you should be paying the bank for the privilege of accessing your money? Not unless I'm forced to, and I'm not. <laughs> they can make well, money off the interest, and I don't need to pay them extra. Today, listeners, we learned that Rob is a communist. Yeah, I've said that. So. I've said that on this show before. I, I thought I thought you supported business and job creation, Rob. I don't. Well, here we are. I do not. Okay. Wow. It should also be known that they're making more than interest off his money. How so? I know. They're, I'm sorry. Wait, what does that mean? Stock returns? More than interest. No, because they, they invest that money in stocks and... And they get interest off it. Other investment. That's not interest. That's okay, returns. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, Mike, you had one more piece of follow-up here. About Netflix and net neutrality? Yes. Mm. Oh, right. This is, it's, it's funny because I alluded to this attitude <clears throat> a while ago. I think the last time we talked about net neutrality, I think it was about the, was a Videotron and their thing with yes. allowing unlimited something. Yeah, different and, media stuff, streaming. Yeah. So my, my feeling was, well, if a company gets big enough that they can uh, negotiate these partnerships, then they should be allowed to, like... And that's kind of the stance Netflix has now. Yeah. <laughs> I think one of their quotes was actually something along the lines of, we used to be a little guy and we fought, but now that we're big, we shouldn't have to fight anymore or something to that <laughs> effect. And uh, so they're basically saying that because they're able to, again, have these partnerships. I think T-Mobile was one example brought up that they fell under the unlimited streaming deal that they had. Right that uh, it obviously benefits Netflix. So they don't feel that they should be fighting against it because they're benefiting, benefiting from it. So that's unfortunate. I guess they're, and they're, I think they're supporters of uh, the new FCC chairman as well. Supporters or just neutral? 
vaguely supporters. Something about, oh, he'll take care of us, don't worry, kind of thing. That's unfortunate. So, yeah. So, good luck to... I don't even know if there's any small streamers. Hulu? Is, are they small? They're pretty big, aren't they? I think they're relatively Who's big. Who's left to fight? Who's left to fight? Yeah. There's not many, and I think that's kind of... Like, obviously, there are going to be very small, like, regional streaming companies or, or like, ones that have, I don't know, thousands or tens of thousands of subscribers as opposed to millions. But it does seem unfortunate that as soon as one of the streaming companies gets big enough to be able to throw some weight around and throw some money around at other, like, cable providers and internet providers, that they are just like, oh, yeah, now we see from their perspective and we agree with them. It's like, no, come on. You got big because of the thing that you were fighting for. <laughs> Keep fighting for yeah. it. Well, I think that's that's part of what I admire about Apple is that they're, again, in the public eye, they seem to be standing up for things that are in the best interest of the people. Yeah. They're not, uh, like, as far as their, t- or their stance on, like, security and privacy and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're, they're, they're not, they're, they don't have the approach of, well, we're a big company and, you know, you ha- we have what you want, so we're going to do whatever we want with your stuff mm-hmm. kind of thing. One other way that I think Apple specifically, but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying they're the only group, but like accessibility in their products is that's one of the things where it's like you can make your product accessible and it adds benefit to a tiny fraction of your total user base. Like if you have features like voiceover they have for, for blind users where it'll speak anything that's on the screen and they have the Apple watch, they added a wheelchair mode. So it doesn't say the like every hour if you haven't been standing or moving for one minute out of the hour it'll at 10 minutes before it'll say time to stand and like move around it's like the wheelchair user getting that it's, <laughs> it's just like, what can't. are you doing um so they've 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 literally let people say i'm in a wheelchair and they yeah. it will adapt sort of it'll adapt all the activities it'll adapt things to the activity that a wheelchair user is likely to get and and help them out in different ways. And there's all kinds of things like all their products have this kind of reasoned, careful approach to making sure that if you can't see, or if you can't hear, or if you have trouble with motion, that they, they are considering it all. Right. And giving tools like for developers to build apps to make them accessible as well. I think it's, it's really interesting. I don't know. Have you guys talking about accessibility now? I want to get on a tangent. Have you guys ever watched the YouTube channel? Um, what is it called? Everything wrong with the the guy that does like he reviews movies basically, and he counts all the sins. Oh, it's called Cinema Sins. But the 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 theme of that the videos he does sometimes are like everything wrong with, and they have, like he lists like the hundred um, sins on the X movies. You guys have never seen that. Your faces have no recognition. Okay, so he goes through a popular or less popular films the less popular ones tend to be more interesting like if he did Gili or any ben affleck like daredevil or something um sorry mike ben affleck's daredevil has <laughs> obviously also gone over your it's head it's not the real one yeah um he i found out recently like so all his video all his videos on on the cinema sins channel are subtitled like everything he says over top of the movie is subtitled and I recently found out like in the last month that he is hard of hearing or like he's not fully deaf, but he, he can't hear well. And so he finds subtitles on the v- videos to be really beneficial. And so he subtitles the, the things. And 
like you never really think about that but that channel to me would be totally different if he didn't subtitle the videos even if youtube now has a feature where you can just turn subtitles on like he could close caption the videos i found that so interesting like you never really think about it because most blind people or most deaf people aren't completely 100 unable to sense in that way but if it's if it's enough of a problem that it impacts your life then someone taking consideration of that is super useful mm -hmm. have you guys watched the show called switched at birth I've heard, no. I've seen some episodes. Julia watches it, but I haven't in yeah. a while. Yeah, it's on Netflix, and one of the characters, a couple, well, a handful of the characters, but at least at first, one of the characters is deaf. Mm. And uh, so, I, one of the main themes of the show is increasing awareness on some of the struggles and challenges that deaf people have mm. and how they deal with them. So, yeah, until until watching that show, and I did a bit of research on my own just to see how accurate. The portrayal was of these because you know within all yeah. these shows like you, you can never tell right but it seems like the deaf community has been pretty receptive hmm. to this show and is appreciative of, of how they are portraying it it is fairly accurate so uh yeah that's it's one of those kind of cases where until you see it from their perspective you don't understand what type of challenge just everyday things we take for granted can right. be so yeah, what you're saying about the accessibility on these phones, like, yeah, you, you don't until like the the thing with the wheelchair mode, like, yeah, you would you'd never think mm -hmm. of that. It's like if you if you're not able to stand, like, how it probably doesn't feel nice to be say time to yeah. stand, like, yeah. or it just gets annoying, even if you don't get offended yeah. by it. Like, I th I'm sure you just stop being offended by it if you've got yeah. used to that kind yeah. of uh, regular approach to things. But it's, it would at least be annoying. So at least if you can make that adjustment mm -hmm. and have it be a bit more appropriate for your lifestyle, I think that like for like time to stand it's kind of just a thing that it makes sense for a normal person and like like i said like 99 percent likely of users of apple watches aren't affected by this at all and so they wouldn't even necessarily notice it but i i believe and i'm trying to remember back to when they actually announced the feature on stage i think they changed it to time to roll and like that's so clever and like <laughs> It right. makes so much more sense. Like it, it again, there are going to be people who aren't affected by either of those, like who are like, they can't necessarily stand up every hour and they're not necessarily in a wheelchair. Like there are going to be people that this still doesn't help. Like it's a tiny percentage of a tiny percentage, but if you're in a wheelchair getting the thing that says time to roll, like that's the same kind of cleverness as getting a thing that says time to stand. It's not, it gets old after a while, but it's still like it totally perfectly applies to what they're trying to get across yeah my watch the uh the gear s2 is just get mm. moving so again every hour it yeah. does that but it's funny because and it actually maybe it's a, i'll think about it differently now but if i just happen to around that same time just bend down to tie my shoe it's like great work <laughs> it's like i'm just i'm Thank tying you. my shoe <laughs> right it's like oh all done right but i guess if you're talking about like that is sometimes people's extent of being yeah. mobile is just right like so it's, I guess that is good that it's erring on the side of not being too pushy about how much activity constitutes right. getting mm -hmm. moving, right? So that, or maybe they just, uh, you know, they assumed that or your heart rate went way up when you tied yeah. your feet. <laughs> some real, real sweaty work you got up to. Yeah, maybe I am actually strenuating, strenuousing, being strenuous about tying my shoe. Yeah. Mm. It's yeah, I um 
sometimes if I'm sitting at my desk at work and I've been doing that for an hour and the thing comes up, I just like swing my arm for 30 seconds until it yeah, exactly. <laughs> dings. I'm like, I, w- I would love to move, but I would really rather just right. get this, like accomplish this because it's part of your fitness kind of challenge for the day is to do that yeah. for 12 hours, like have 12 hours where you move at least one minute. And so sometimes I'm like, if I'm really focused, I'll just like keep reading or keep working. And I'm just like swinging my arm at my desk. Unless somebody walks by and I'm like slowly inconspicuously stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if I don't move right away, then maybe like five or 10 minutes later, it says time to stretch. Right. Like it's like, okay, you don't have time to move, like at yeah. least stretch. So then it does like five torso twists and then it senses when <laughs> you're five nice. or done. It's actually kind of cool. <laughs> And it actually, I find that it does help to yeah, do like that little stretch. Yeah. So it's like, you you win this time, watch. <laughs> Damn watch being right. <laughs> Stupid watch. All right. So I think we've made it out of follow-up successfully, only halfway through the show. Nick, I want to hear your story about corrosion. Uh, pump failure has claimed the lives of more than 9,000 fish at a University of Alberta facility. This comes to us from my writing staff. Okay. And... Yeah. yeah. The... What is it? The chlorine you find in the domestic water supply will kill most of the fish that they're working on. They're using the fish to study uh, fracking. Okay. And the consequences thereof. And... Pump failed... And chlorine levels become fatal within 30 minutes. And the loss in the facility include 75 frogs. Or no, wait. Yeah. It says the losses in the facility include and then list things and the number of survivors. So 75 frogs with 15 survivors, 1,093 adult trout and about 6,000 fingerlings, 96 carp with 64 survivors, 2,073 goldfish with 163 survivors, and 6 graylings. I do not know what a grayling is. Type of fish? I think it's, it's safe to assume. Baby goose. Sorry? Is it? I thought it was like a bird. Like a baby goose. It's called a grayling. Is it? I... All right. Someone Google it. I can't think of something else. <laughs> I would uh, be surprised. Freshwater fish in the salmon family. Um, <laughs> I'm very intrigued here because it kind of seems like they have now bred some chlorine-resistant fish and frogs. Yeah, I know, right? It's like... You look at the survivors and you're like, well, I mean, just use the survivors as the breeding yeah, stock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Problems are solved. Yeah, that, that yeah, uh, so is unfortunate. Corrosion strikes again. The, and I mean, it's kind of sad because apparently grad students were working with the dead. And now that's just however long they've been working on those particular animals. That's just gone. Right. right. Wait, are you talking about sad for their work or sad because emotionally it's hard? Both, Mike. Both. (laughs) I'm sad for their work. So it's it's kind of crazy when this kind of thing happens. Like I know a couple of years ago, honestly, on the scale five years ago, the zoo, the Calgary Zoo at one point had overnight, like an entire tank of manta rays just die because someone, I don't know if there's like a pH imbalance or saltwater imbalance or temperature or something. So someone effed up and killed a bunch of manta ray and... I think that was the last that they were allowed to vent wow. array. But uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I know like zoologists or just zookeepers, I guess, become fairly attached to the animals they work with. So I'm sure it'd be hard. 
like, I don't know, in this case, I guess students might have been approaching a bit more academically, but either way, you don't like to see that much wildlife just right pass away that suddenly. Mm-hmm. And probably because, yeah, someone made a mistake or just equipment failed, I guess. Well, so they mentioned the filtration system stopped, and then they mention um, that it has to do with, like you mentioned, that has to do with corrosion. So was it both? Like how well, the pump failed due to corrosion? Okay, it was a sw- it says a switch failed due to corrosion? Yeah, right. Hmm. It does seem like there could be useful results though, because it's not like were the fish being used? Like was it long term effects of fracking chemicals that were being studied? Oh, let's reread the article. <laughs> You're supposed to be studying this closely. I know. What's wrong with me? Uh, some students could see their work pushed back for six months to a year, it okay. says. Did they make a pun in this article? Probably. Where he said, those hardest hit are the graduate students whose research went, quote unquote, down the drain. Yeah. <laughs> so what, wait, why is that in quotes? Because there are actual things in quotes. He like he, he must have said that, right? I know, but it, it reads like a pun. Well, it is a pun, but he made the pun. <laughs> <laughs> it's very odd. Hmm. Although it does seem like they mention here that the water treatment system was flagged as potentially being a problem. Yeah. I also say that the university has a back backlog of almost a billion in maintenance projects. Oh, wow. Which, that's going to be fun. And mm. I think they said they also lost some ice cores at some point. Yeah, they said they were damaged. Or... System. Yeah. yeah. So that's keep up your preventative ma- maintenance. And if you need some of your industrial fluids analyzed, might I suggest Fluid Life? <laughs> Not yet a sponsor. It's... <laughs> it says here that the university has a backlog of $930 million in yeah. maintenance projects. Yeah, that's, that's the that's almost, almost a billion. billion. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. It's a lot of money. The other thing I would say here is if you have a system that is not poisoning something, don't make the failure point of that system start poisoning stuff, if possible. Like the the default of a, a system not working shouldn't be that stuff gets poisoned. It should right. Like at least be the other thing. If if the pump stops working that dechlorinates the water, just have the pump stop pumping anything in, as opposed to pumping in whatever right. water is there. Obviously, that's more complicated to do. The more complicated system you have, but it seems like stopping completely should have been the answer, as opposed to just continuing to pump while the system breaks. But the chlorine was already in the water because it was the domestic right, supply. Right, but I mean, stop pump, like don't pump any more water in. Like if the pump breaks, let them like sitting in dirty water, water that isn't circulating. Oh, I see what you mean. Like, right. use a closed. Or they could just make it a closed. Yeah, exactly. Somehow. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is like, if you're I'm trying to think of a good analogy, if you're drinking milk and the milk goes rotten. <laughs> Like, stop drinking the milk. Don't, like... Just sit in the rotten milk. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I do find this weird, because I I was having this thought earlier this weekend, totally unrelated, but having to do with, 
like we think of a thousand fish or was nine thousand fish and frogs um dying in this research obviously is like it's a tragic accident and we don't want things to lose their life like that but we also like kill and eat millions of fish around the world daily i find it just a weird distinction that we make it's different those are tasty ones well that's what i mean it seems like those should be even more valuable because they're so tasty it's it's an odd distinction is all i'm trying to say like if if we find out a horse has to be put down it's like oh no that's very sad and it i'm not saying it isn't but it seems like we slaughter cows in the same way for burgers and whatnot just did you guys see that ad that was posted on twitter a while back about it was like a pita ad it's like oh one is a friend one is mm. food and it was like a dog and a mm-hmm. pig and then one of the jokers was like you're right we should start eating dogs <laughs> oh, <gosh. laughs> it's it's weird though right it is like you ha- you have to kind of not think about it when you're eating meat that like some animals are important to us and some aren't like some aren't yeah. so much that we don't even really notice well, it's like the Ikea having horse meat in their yeah. meatballs. It's like, well, you didn't notice. It's still protein. It yeah. tastes good. So why should you mm-hmm. care? Yeah. Weird distinction. Yeah. Anything else on this story, Nick? Uh, no. We covered it for much longer than I thought we would. Excellent. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. I'm glad it went where it did, too. <laughs> I'm glad it all made us think about our meat consumption briefly. Now, Mike... You wanted to talk, and I'm also intrigued to talk about the new project that Android, one of Android's creators, has been working on these days. Mm-hmm. Well, he just released a mm-hmm. phone or announced a phone. Announced and an Android phone, an Android phone. Yes. yes, an Android phone. And he also followed it up with an announcement for a speaker assistant, a la Google mm-hmm. Home, and the Amazon Echo. And this one actually runs on a custom OS, it yeah. looks like. And I don't know. So the power of these devices comes from the AI aspect, like the search and interpretation of voice and all that kind of stuff. So I presume that he and his team has developed their own system. Like they're not piggybacking on like Google's AI right is is that would that be an an invalid assumption i'm not sure that it would be able to right how would it get access to that that's what i mean like i unless it just threw everything into a google search and spat out the results which would be kind of stupid yeah but so yeah i can only presume that they've come up with their own ai and i guess we'll we'll see how it compares like you always have these videos and articles on people comparing the results from different devices so we'll see how theirs Mm -hmm. compares because yeah the home and the the echo will uh and siri i guess for that matter have their own shortcomings and faults with interpretation and delivering results and all that kind of stuff so i think that will be the true uh indicator of how successful this this is or will Mm -hmm. be this one does have a screen similar to the Echo Show. So uh, so that's one difference that, that it has. And it is like a touchscreen. And it looks a bit nicer than the Echo Show does. It does. Not hard and to. It, 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 almost, <laughs> it almost looks similar to what an Apple device would look mm-hmm. like, maybe. It kind of reminds me of a Nest a little bit. The, the look of it anyway. Agreed. Uh, 
but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see all these different products come out. And, uh, I think going back to our last discussion about the upcoming Apple event, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Apple announces their own product similar to these types of speakers. Yep. Me neither. Would you, would you guys use a smart, a smart assistant similar to, to one of these types of products? I'm curious to hear Nick's answer first. Well, uh, I'm mostly asking Nick because I already know we got answer. Like I, I don't actually know it. I suppose it would depend on the functionality. I I could see it if it was networked with like the rest of the Internet of Things in the house. Mm. So if I could like adjust the thermostat or I don't even know like what I could do because I'm not at the point of thinking about yeah. things like that. I mean, maybe if I wanted to bake something and I was on my way home, I could tell the oven to turn on. Yeah, to preheat. So if you could have that sort of interface, maybe. Right. Like a remotely calling the smart home device, if that's even what they do. Yeah. Right. That's similar to HomeKit is kind of what you're talking about almost. Or IFTTT integrations. Yeah. Okay. Although Alexa does yeah. have a bunch of skills with different smart home things. In theory, although I think, I guess it's not as good. Like it works with some of them, but not necessarily all of them. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've been actually, I've been thinking about for a while that I don't think I've mentioned on the show is that for me, voice assistants, specifically mostly Siri, because that's the one I most have the most kind of copies of, <clears throat> especially ones that don't just like, you don't open the app, hit the microphone button and, and speak whatever you're going to speak, where it actually has trigger words, um, is siri and there it used to be the problem that you would yell out the code phrase or speak out the code phrase and every device you had would light up or every device in the in the room would light up and if you had four or five devices all lighting up and all trying to parse your query they would all start talking to each other and get confused and everything would go horribly wrong this has been a complaint on i specifically remember jason snell talking about this a lot and for me, at least, it's gotten a thousand times better. The last time I tried to actually, Julia tried to activate my iPad, like she was holding it up right in front of her. She said the code phrase and nothing happened because now you train Siri with your voice every time you set it up. And when I do it and I have two or three devices laying around, I see them all light up. Like I explicitly see them all go do do like lighting up then I guess they kind of talk to each other because only every time I do this, only one actually responds. So I think that they're getting smarter about kind of almost using handoff or using ad hoc networks to be aware of where each other are and kind of decide which one is the best equipped to handle it. Like whether either which one heard best or which one heard the, the, the highest volume or the clearest. And I only ever get, I get a good answer, but I only get it from one thing. So I'm, I'm imagining like I love it. the little discussion that goes yeah. on among your devices. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no, guys, like I, I've got this. I think my processor <laughs> is the fastest of all of us. And I think I, I think I've got Rob covered here. Mm -hmm. But I've had when I've had multiple devices, I, I haven't really had a situation where they're next to each other. But one's on like a faster network or something like that. It seems like it is just local to each device. They quickly say, I got this. And then just respond mm -hmm. i'm i'm interested to see what types of integrations this uh it's called the essential 
essential home, what? Maybe essential yeah. home. Yeah. Android, Google Home, Apple Home, Essential Home. <laughs> uh, what types of integrations it will have? Like, because if it's if it is running on its own operating system and AI system, like it's not going to have any pre-existing tie-ins, mm-hmm. right? Like, I guess all these services have APIs, but unless they develop all the integrations in-house, which they might end up doing, then you'll have a hard time selling it because a lot of this uh, these devices are sold on the basis of people already being tied into a certain ecosystem, yep. whether it's Apple or, or Google or Amazon. So again, I'm talking about the Apple one as if it already exists, <laughs> but uh, with this one, there isn't that same initial selling point. So it's, it's an interesting approach, but I guess like Amazon was kind of in the same place when they had released their Echo, like other than people just using Amazon for stuff, like just for, I guess they kind of had like their own ecosystem, but they were competing with Google, which Google has a lot more mm-hmm. integrations and and times in people's lives. So, and Amazon's been able to to be a leader in the market with with the smart assistant. So, I don't know, maybe this one will be fine. Yep. The interesting thing I've been listening to a couple podcasts talking about this. The essential, the phone at least, is only they're only making about fifty thousand units. So it's not right away intended to be a mass market thing. And so I'd have to imagine if, since you're going for the whole ecosystem thing, they would have to be making even fewer home devices. And I mean, I guess that's fine. If if your goal is to advance the concept of a smartphone by releasing what you think of as the next generation of it, um, that's fine. But it's not meant to take over the world right now. They're not intending it. They're not making enough that it would even be possible to make a dent in the industry. So it could be that it is just Andy Rubin saying, I'm like, Google is too, I don't fit into Google anymore. It's too big. And, but here's my ideas for what's next in smartphones. Now other companies can take those ideas and kind of advance them. I hate the word innovation, so I'm not going to use it in that context, but take the ideas from that essential has that are good and use them to kind of get their phones to the next generation as well. So in the Android Police article that uh, that I came, came across originally, there's a follow-up to the post or an update mm. to it that says that Andy was interviewed and he said that he's hoping that the essential smart home assistant will be compatible with Siri, Echo, and Assistant. Right. So that's how they're trying to play the integration aspect is just Interesting. to be a compatible device with those systems. How would one be compatible with Siri? I, That's so. I don't know. It just says it just says he says essential is in conversation with the companies about integrating their technologies with his devices ambient mm. OS. I wonder what that means. I, I, I don't think that's gonna. Work <laughs> no, I don't think. I, I mean, it could work if everything was different. <laughs> but it seems like you could add a unless unless some of our predictions that we made this week are like all come to fruition together, like we get um, Siri getting an Android app or something. And then it's like, we're opening up Siri to third parties and then the essential could jump on. Right. But otherwise, like you can add, you can add Alexa to your, um, to, like to any device, any smart device can license right. Alexa and use it. And anything can get, any device can get the Google assistant on it as long as they're willing to add the app or add the functionality. But you can't, as far as I know, you can't license the Google assistant on its own, like the, the technology, the voice assistant technology, and you can't license Siri so far. So it seems like 
a weird way to phrase that unless he's just going for like a sound bite that makes it sound interesting, but there's nothing actually behind that. Yeah. Cause if he, I don't think he'd be pursuing these partnerships if he did have his own AI right. built. Yeah. Right. Especially not all of them. Like not, it's like you choose you, when you set this up, you can choose if you want Siri in it or Alexa in it or Google assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Like if it's, it's contextual information, like calendar, weather, that kind of thing, like that's all easy enough to pull from mm -hmm. wherever, like you don't need any sort of AI for that. And like, if you'd link your Google calendar, or I think even your Apple calendar, you can link can't you? Like, is that stored somewhere? Is that only Apple devices can look at that? For calendars on Apple devices, like I Apple like, calendar. Like, you can't just log in. You can't just, yeah, you can't just no. share an Apple calendar the same way you can with, like, a Google calendar by logging to your no. Google account, right? Yeah. So, with this, I think the extent of this would just be, like, Google stuff, where it's linked to your Google account that you sign in and it can right. pull it from its sources. But other than that, I don't see what else, what else mm -hmm. is going to do. Agreed. So yeah, overall, I don't know. I'm I'm not particularly excited about this, mostly because the it doesn't look like it looks a little bit futuristic, like kind of next generation y, but it also kind of looks weird. Like the design of it is odd. In what way? I guess mostly the front I thought it looked handsome. The front camera thing is like how it's just cut out from the top looks not fully thought out. Front camera? What camera? The front camera in the middle. I don't see any camera. The essential... Camera or screen? Sorry? Camera or screen? Cameras. Are we talking about the home thing or the phone thing? The home. I'm talking about the phone. The home. Yeah. When did we start talking about the phone? We've been, I've been talking about the phone for most of this. <laughs> <laughs> At no point was I ever talking about the phone. Okay. You just you just can't stop Rob from talking about cell phones. Sometimes I, we were talking. I was talking about the next generation. Even of if it's other consumer tech. Okay, so prior to this point, I was talking about the home device and its integrations. Okay. The phone that that wasn't. I don't know. Maybe that one will have the same sort of attempt at integrating with the other mm -hmm. stuff. But I think, but it was for the home that he's talking about integrating with the other smart assistants. Yes. I, no, I I agree with that part being integrated um, with the other assistants. And I don't think like with Android, you, there's yeah. less incentive to have multiple assistants or mo the, the choice. Yeah. Between well, the phone's running yeah, Android, exactly. right? It's not even like a mod of Android. It's yeah. Android, right? Yeah. Although there might be a skin or something. Like there might be some. Extra, well, but. yeah. It's, but it's not like CyanogenMod mod or anything no. like that. I w yeah. What I was trying to mention is the weirdness of the essential phone like the the design of it. it apparently uh it's made of titanium which is pretty well known in the industry for being fairly soft and so they're saying it doesn't really it doesn't like it handles drop tests fairly well compared to aluminum which gets kind of scratched but apparently titanium is they, they i heard people mention that it's soft but also brittle and so, like, someone was telling, I think it was Jason Snell, telling an anecdote about how his toddler snapped a piece of the old, when the one generation of MacBook was titanium. Um, his daughter, like, his very young daughter just, like, snapped a piece of it off. <laughs> just, And so it doesn't seem, it seems like the industry has tried titanium as a material to make computers out of, or, like, technology out of, and kind of moved away from it. But that's, <clears throat> that's what they're going for with this one. Right. 
so yeah, I don't know. I I'm intrigued, but it's it's odd to start in 2017, even if you're Andy Rubin, to start an compl- entirely new mm-hmm. kind of ecosystem. Since we're on the topic, do we have any follow up on Nick's quest for a new phone? Get this one. <laughs> no. Um. I well, nothing new has really been released yet, right? I think our advice is the same. I know, but has Nick settled oh. on something? No. No, I assumed no. he hadn't. I assumed if he had settled on something, your, he would have gotten it. Your recommendation was the One Plus, the Three T, yeah, the One Plus Three T. Okay. Especially, I mean, at this point, no, it was um, actually it was former guest on one episode of the show, Anna. Um, she mentioned to me that the Three T is discontinued, and oh. so if you can get your hand, or like it stopped being manufactured, so if you can get your hands on it, it might be discounted now. Hmm. Because the five is coming out, so it might be worth looking into if you can find one, whether it be on like resale or whether it be through. Because I don't think they really do sale through carriers or anything. No, I don't think they do yeah. retailers or anything like that. I was thinking yeah. I'd go current gen this time though, Ooh. just so that. Oh, what with updates? Well, look at you <laughs> now. Who fancy? <laughs> Well, gets the job and now gets the newest phone. Yeah, disposable wow. income has changed me. <laughs> Don't even know who I am anymore. The hell is this? You did seem less bored in this episode when we were talking about cons- consumer tech than you ever have been. <laughs> I, I thank you because I was starting to go towards just reading other things and I was like, no, no, I should pay attention. <laughs> Even when we talked about like yeah. the home assistant, it looked like you were actually yeah. thinking about it. You're like, well, yeah, no, that, that is actually interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Although I would need more stuffs of internet or stuff of internets. Yeah. What did we decide on last week? We decided stuff of internet. I like that. One. I okay. like that term. Stuff of internet. Yeah. All right. Well, Nick, you'll have to let us know what you decide for now, I guess. We'll say goodbye, unless any of you have anything to add for the, on what we've talked about. Um, I'm moving in a couple of weeks, and I might not be here for that. Oh, where are you moving to? A couple blocks north. Oh, that's not so bad. I assume I was like, I'm going like, to Fort McMurray. <laughs> one block east and five blocks north, I think it is. Cool. May the Pokesop and gym locations be I assume you've favorite. looked. Oh, man. It's... it's <laughs> So, I don't live on a Pokestop. A Pokestop's, like, out in the parking lot as opposed to a few blocks away. Mm-hmm. So, that's nice. But... You can walk out in your PJs and get your daily streak. <laughs> Why or get a no PJs. Well, daily streak. I'm just going to go out in my yeah. underwear. No for... PJs would be the daily streak. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's right next to McEwen University, which is a really incredible instinct stronghold. Nice. Oh, nice. Although, I mean, that said, no gym I found in Edmonton has been as stable as the one in Millet that Kai and I are currently in. So, mm. good to know. Is that where Mrs. Doubtfire is? That is where Mrs. <laughs> Doubtfire, my blissy, is. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, in that case, Nick, we wish you all the best in your move. You'll be here next week, though. It'll be two weeks from now that you might not be. I think I, I should be here next week. Okay. Well, I'll say thank you to our listeners for listening once again, putting up with us for another week. 
We'll be back next week with more science and tech talk. And you can head to unwindmedia.com slash future chat for more and including past episodes. See you next week. Toodaloo. Ciao.